Easter. If Easter is about anything, it's about hope, isn't it? Hope for today, hope for tomorrow, and hope for eternity. I want to ask you the question this morning, and just to think about your own life for a moment. What happens in your heart and in your life when there is no hope? What happens when hope is gone? Solomon said it best in Proverbs 13, 12. He said, hope deferred, hope put off, makes the heart sick. But a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. And so this morning, what I want to do is I want to talk to you about hope. People give up. People lose heart. People become depressed. People will even commit suicide when their hope is gone when they lose heart. A number of years ago, some researchers performed an experiment to see the effect hope has on those who are undergoing hardship. And so what they did is they took two sets of laboratory rats and they placed each set in separate tubs of water. The researchers left one set in the water and found that within an hour, they had drowned. The other rats, on the other hand, were periodically lifted out of the water and then returned. And when that happened, the second set of rats swam for over 24 hours. One set of rats is dead within an hour. The second set swam on for 24 hours. The question is why? Why would one set of rats die within the hour and the next set of rats go on for 24 hours, it's not because they were given a rest, but rather because they suddenly had hope. And those animals somehow hoped that if they could just stay afloat just a little bit longer, someone would reach down and rescue them. Now, if hope has or holds such power on rats with very minimal brain power, how much greater should its effect be on our lives. Martin Luther said, everything that is done in the world is done by hope. And I want you to know something today. You and I have been created by God. And God knows best how you and I function. God knows best how you and I survive the struggles, the difficulties, the problems in this life. And God knows that you and I need hope. We need hope to carry on. And this message of hope is something that Jesus passed on to his disciples. And one of those disciples, Peter, said this in one of his letters. Let's take a look at this. Perhaps we could read it together. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you. I want to look at that passage of Scripture this morning, unpack it, as it were, and just see the kind of hope that God has for you and me. Well, first of all, God has a hope for you and me for today. Look what it says there. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth 
into a living hope. So the question this morning is, why get up in the morning? Why bother getting up early and coming to church? Will anything be different? Will God show up and do a miracle? And I'm telling you today that if you have no hope, then chances are you're having a difficult time with this life. Maybe you're here today depressed because you don't have a whole lot of hope. Maybe you're feeling, you know, your situation the way it is right now is hopeless, and why carry on? Maybe you just feel like quitting. You're having maybe problems in your marriage, I don't know. Maybe problems with your kids. You feel hopeless. You think, ah, I can't do it. It's not going to work. But the message, the good news of the gospel is that there's hope for you for today. And this hope is built on the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Because he arose from the dead, you and I have hope for today. Hope for tomorrow. Hope for eternity. After Jesus' death, the disciples were sure that their hope had been misplaced. They thought for sure that their hope was for nothing. It was all in vain. You remember, after Jesus rose from the dead, he, he uh, was walking down a road and came upon some of his disciples. And he asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? And they stood still, the Bible says, their faces downcast. And one of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and do not know the things that have happened here these days? What things, asked Jesus? About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. And the chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. Listen to this. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. So there they are. This is amazing. There they are talking to Jesus, and they have no hope. Now, I want the Spirit of God to speak to your heart right now. Because although you feel that maybe your circumstances and the problems and the difficulties you're facing right now would lead you to believe that God is nowhere around, that God doesn't care anymore, I want you to know that as confused as these poor disciples were in the presence of Jesus, that's how confused you and I can be. Not even aware that in the midst of our problems and our hurts and our hopelessness and our despair, that Jesus is there right at your side, ready, prepared, willing to minister to you in ways that you can't imagine. They had lost hope. And the question today maybe is, have you lost hope? Are you struggling today, wondering whether God is there? I want you to know God is there. And you'd say, Pastor, you know, I haven't been living the way I should be living. I haven't been doing the things I should be doing. So, Jesus has made a promise. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And even though you may may not be on the path that you're supposed to be on today, you're not doing what you should be doing, you're living the way you should be living, Jesus still loves you and he's still there. And he's calling you to put your hope back in him again. Because he loves you, because he cares for you. There's a school system. A large city has a program to help children Keep up with their work. Children who have 
who become sick or ill, children who are in the hospital. And the school system sends in teachers to help these kids one-on-one. One day, a teacher was assigned to a student, and uh, her job was to go in and teach that child his nouns and adverbs and, you know, grammar. And uh, the regular teacher said, I'd be grateful if you could help him understand his nouns and adverbs so he doesn't fall too far behind. And so the teacher showed up at the hospital, and when she got there, she wasn't prepared for what she was about to see. For this young boy had received terrible burns to his body and was in great pain. She was so upset at the sight of the boy that she started to stammer and had a difficult time teaching this boy his verbs, adverbs, nouns. She said, I've been sent by your school to help you with your nouns and adverbs. When she left, she felt that she had accomplished nothing. But the next day, a nurse approached the teacher and said, what did you do to the boy? What did you say to him? The teacher, feeling that she had maybe communicated to the boy her shock and her dismay at his state, said, you know, I, I apologize. I'm sorry. I, I, didn't mean to, I didn't mean to harm the boy in any way. And the, and the nurse said, no, you don't understand. The boy is actually improving. It's like a switch was flicked on. It's like he suddenly has a will to live. What did you do? What did you say to him? And the teacher said, I, I, I don't know. I, I just came in to teach him his verbs and adverbs, his nouns. Two weeks later, the boy explained that he had completely given up hope until that teacher came along and began to teach him his nouns and his verbs and his adverbs. And the little boy said this. He said they wouldn't send a teacher to work on nouns and adverbs with a boy who was dying, would they? And suddenly he came alive. Now I want the Spirit of God to speak to your heart right now. Because God would not have sent his son to die on the cross for your sins if you were a hopeless case. God sent his son for you and for me. And the very fact that he sent his son for you and for me is all you need to know that you've got hope for today. And you can keep on going. And you don't need to give up because you are not alone. Hope for today. Not just hope for today, but hope for tomorrow. Look what it says there. He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Folks, that is the foundation on which you build your hope. If Jesus did not rise from the dead, then we, we're wasting our time here today. That's what the Apostle Paul said. The resurrection is the foundation on which we build our faith, in which we have faith. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, that means that Satan has the victory. It means that we have no hope. It means that we have got an eternity in darkness. 
But because Jesus rose from the dead and conquered Satan and the powers of darkness and the power of death, it means you and I have new life through Christ. Jesus rose from the dead and you and I have hope for tomorrow. You may think today it's so bad that tomorrow is only going to be worse, but I want you to know you've got hope for tomorrow because you have Jesus. You're not walking alone. You have the resurrected Jesus at your side. Today may look hopeless. Your finances are not where they need to be. Some of you are, oh, don't remind me of that, Pastor. Maybe your kids are not where they need to be. Your marriage is not where it needs to be. Your own heart's not where it needs to be. Your work is a mess. Everything seems out of control. And you say to yourself, is God in his heaven? And the answer is yes. And Jesus is in control. He is sovereign. He reigns. His name is King Jesus. I want you to know today that the word hopeless is not in the vocabulary of the believer. Can I say it again? The word hopeless is not in the vocabulary of the believer. And the reason we do not use that word hopeless or despair is because of Jesus. And although it looks bad today, I'm telling you, Jesus is in charge. And my friends, this is a hard thing for you and I to do. But what you need to do when it seems hopeless is you, you need to run to the breast of Jesus, embrace him and say, Lord, I'm giving you my tomorrow because I can't handle it. And then watch what God will do for you. Watch the way Jesus will comfort your heart. When Hitler began his conquering of Europe, those European nations surrounding the Nazis, Germany, gave up hope quickly. Do you know that Poland conquered, was conquered by Hitler in just 18 days? 18 days, just a few weeks, and it was all over. They gave up hope. It's because Poland didn't have an army. Oh, they had an army. But what they didn't have is hope. Holland and Belgium, they gave up in just a few days. Did they have an army? Yep. But what they didn't have is hope. France was taken, and then Paris, in just two short months. Denmark, well, they didn't even bother fighting. They just said, well, come on in and do what you, you got to do. <laughs> Norway gave up in just a few weeks. But England, England was no more ready than any of the other nations to face the Nazis. But, you see, they had a secret weapon. And his name was Churchill. And if you just wait for me to put on a bit more weight, I'll be able to wiggle those jowls. <laughs> Churchill refused to give in. He had tremendous hope. The majority of historians say that Churchill was, in fact, England's greatest weapon. Why? Because he gave the people hope. I love the, um, the speech that Churchill gave to the Canadian Parliament after the war. He says, when I warned the French, this was, uh, actually it wasn't before, at the end of the war, it was just, before, just in the middle of the war. He says, when I warned the French that Britain would fight on alone, whatever France did or whatever the other nations did, 
Their generals told their prime minister and his divided cabinet, in three weeks, England will have her neck wrung like a chicken. To which Churchill said, that's some chicken and that's some neck. (laughs) I like that. What's the difference? One word, hope. And today you may be losing a battle. You may look at what's going on around you. You may be prepared to throw in the towel. Are you ready to quit? Because life just seems too difficult. But I want you to know something. Although you may be losing a battle here and there, Jesus has already won the war. And my Bible tells me in the book of Revelation that we win. (laughs) Now, does your tomorrow look bleak? Then you need to run to God. Maybe it's been a while since you've run to God because you've been so... And this is Satan's great weapon to make you feel hopeless. To let despair rise in your heart. And you quit praying. You quit reading your Bible. Isn't that true? Isn't that what you do? It's the first thing that goes. You quit praying. You quit reading your Bible. You quit making your faith declarations. You stop believing. But when you have hope in the resurrected Christ then you know that Jesus has won the war. The Bible declares that I am more than a conqueror through Christ who conquered death and the grave. And so, my friends, what you need to do is you need to get back in touch with the resurrected Jesus. If you're sitting here today and you've lost hope for tomorrow, then you need to pick up that dusty old Bible again and you need to start reading it again and you need to start praying and you need to start trusting that the Lord is working on your behalf. I just want to tell you one other thing this morning, that the resurrected Christ gives you hope for tomorrow, or for for eternity. Look what it says there. And he brings us into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you. You've heard me tell you time and again the times that I have to do funerals for people who don't know Jesus. I can tell you that is the most miserable part of my pastoral experience over, over more than 25 years. To have to be there to try to console people who have no hope. Absolutely devastating. But I want you to know today that you and I have the hope of eternity. We don't have to be afraid of death. In fact, my dear old grandmother taught me more than any theologian, any Bible college professor, any Bible college uh, book or textbook. My grandmother taught me to not fear death. She taught me more about hope and heaven than anybody or anything ever could. I remember she draw, drew near to the end of her life. She would say time and again, I can hardly wait to go home. <laughs> Isn't that great? I can hardly wait to go home. I can hardly wait to see my Lord. And without fear, without any fear whatsoever, when she was 89 years old, she passed peacefully, peacefully into the arms of her Savior. Now, I want to tell you something this morning. I'm, what I'm talking about is not optimism. Do you understand the difference? I'm not talking about being optimistic about the future. I'm talking about a hope that is real, that's dependable, that will come through for you, based on the resurrection of Jesus. 
And if Jesus did not rise from the dead, my friends, if Jesus had not conquered death, then none of us here today could have any confidence concerning the afterlife. But our faith, our hope is built on a solid rock of the fact of Christ rising from the dead. And so you have nothing to fear. By the way, you know fear? Fear is born out of hopelessness, out of, a, out of ignorance. But today, we, we are not ignorant. We are not like those who do not know Christ. We're talking about hope, not optimism. I like that story you've heard me tell before about the three guys who died and go to heaven. The first one says, uh, at my funeral, I want it to be said I was a good father and a good husband. And the second one said, at my funeral, I want it to be said that I, I helped humanity, made a difference in the world. And the third guy said, at my funeral, I want them to say, look, he's moving. <laughs> that's uh, that's uh, maybe optimism. But I'm talking about, I'm talking about a hope. A true hope that acknowledges that it's better to be with Christ. If Jesus did not rise from the dead, our hope of heaven would be empty. It would be baseless. In other words, the fact of Christ rising from the dead is a foundation on which our hope is built. And those who know Christ, and his, those who do not know Christ and do not have hope are the most miserable people indeed. Has anybody ever heard of the philosopher Frederick Nietzsche? In 1878, he said that God is dead. In reality, he said, hope is the worst of all evils because it prolongs man's torments. That's the attitude of those who don't know Jesus. That's the attitude of those who have no hope. And Nietzsche, at the end of his life, died ravaged by syphilis, depressed, and hopeless. How much, how many in the world today are just like that? Depressed and hopeless and no hope of eternity. Martin Luther King Jr., African-American preacher, fighting for the civil rights of African-Americans, was willing to risk his life for the fight. And as you do, as you should know, Martin Luther King Jr., in fact, did lose his life in the fight. But this is what he said. Optimism believes in progress, that circumstances will get better. But hope, hope is built on the conviction that another reality, another kingdom already exists. And so hope endures when hype fades. This morning, I want you to know today that... Uh, those who have the hope of eternity will do amazing things for God because they know that the way that they live their life now will count for eternity. What you do now will echo in eternity. And it suddenly transforms your life. And suddenly everything you say and everything you do has meaning and purpose because it's going to count for eternity. And so is there a reason to get up in the morning? You bet. <laughs> is God going to come and do a miracle in your life? Yeah, he's going to. I don't know when, but he is going to. Is God going to come through for you? He sure will. You're struggling today? You're feeling empty? That's just today. 
Like the disciples discouraged, depressed on, on Friday when Jesus was put on the cross. Sunday is all about a brand new hope. And everything is going to be better. It's Friday, but Sunday's coming. Hallelujah. I want to show you one more video clip this morning before I dismiss you. And I want you to see the hope that is ours. The hope that gives you a reason to get up in the morning. The hope that gives you a reason to serve Jesus. Show that uh, video clip now, would you please, Ashley? 